single album by a particular artist and we rank it worst to best and forget the rest but guys guess the fuck what is going on let me tell you what's going on okay today is special today is unique today believe it or not is the season one finale of the chartographers and you might be thinking Evan, Taryn, what? don't 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 I'm cutting, I'm cutting you off. You can say all that. It wasn't even me this time. I was letting him go even when he said the word musingus. Some of you might be wondering, like, hey, wait, you guys you guys can't have a season-ending thing. Well, A, we can kind of do whatever we want. But also, here's the it's thing. It's fucking podcast. A, that, too. But more importantly, it's one of the things where, like, we've had so many guests on this podcast ever since we launched it, and it took off, and it's been an amazing journey. Uh, we've had so many guests and so many artists and so many moments that were like, you know, we kind of want to do, like, a recap and just kind of, like, go over our favorite moments and parts. Let's do it after every ten episodes. And Taryn and I realized that uh, we, by the time we had that idea, it was the 11th episode. Like, let's do it every 15 episodes. So basically, this season one, we're gonna have season finales and openings. It's structure, and also we get to decide if we're gonna blow things up for the finale, and that's exactly what we're doing right now. We're going in on it. We are gonna do one of the biggest, and I would argue probably the, one of the most influential artists that we've had since the Beatles. Honestly, legit, Shame. real. Uh, we we're gonna talk about the one, the only that artist that you get when you leave your purple dildo out in the sun and it melts all over your Stevie Wonder LPs. That's right, guys. We <laughs> are talking about Prince. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Prince! Okay, or you, the artist formerly known as Prince. You saved it, man. <laughs> totally saved it. Mr. Nelson, if you're nasty. Anywho, guys, we are going to go ahead and we're going to talk about his purple ones, his greatness. So we're going to dive into all of it. And more importantly, we're going to talk about a very specific era of Prince because Prince has put out, what, 33... 37 I studio think it's albums. 36 now. Some bullshit yeah. like that. So, and guess what, guys? As much as I want to do, like, welcome to part seven. No, we're going to do two parts. We're going to do a straight up, and we're going to do Prince in the 80s. And by 80s, I mean 1978 to 1990, because, like, let's do the 80s and forget his first two albums. Like, come on. Let's be real. Let's be reasonable about this. That seemed silly. That really did. So, in order to accomplish the unaccomplishable, we decided to basically put together our own revolution, our own new power generation. I'm the Tony M, clearly. Uh, guys, I. Uh, uh, right here, of course, there's me, Evan Saudi. I am the host of this podcast. You might know me also as an editor of Pop Matters, but clearly, if you're listening, you know that I'm here, and you also know that, guess what? Taryn O'Reilly is here, co-creator of this podcast. Woo! Taryn! What, what? I know. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm really excited to do this. Oh, I'm, I'm excited? I'm thrilled that we're finally at this point. You've been talking about it, like, since we had the idea. I Well, and that, too, because it's also, like, I mean, I, we'll get into this more. Uh, Prince died. It was really sad. Uh, we were actually determining whether or not he was alive when we recorded the first one. We think he may have just died just a little bit before we actually recorded the very first episode. Uh, it still made me very sad, and I don't think I properly mourned it. So if I cry during this podcast, that's what's going on. But in order to do this <laughs> properly, uh, we, we wanted to make sure this was done right and with the right people. And, guys... 
we decided to bring him back. Y'all asked for it. He is a writer over at Pop Matters. He is the band leader of the group Love and Fear. Uh, he was Fear over love. in the band. Fear and Love, whatever. Uh, he was also, he was, you loved him on the Beck podcast. You loved him on the Kanye podcast. And by showing up here, he is now our most frequent guest on the Chartographers. It's a threequel. John Harvey. Hello, How are everybody. You doing, buddy? doing good. I'm, I'm, dude, I'm glad to be here for the one, the only, the most purple Prince Rogers Nelson. <laughs> Dearly beloved. Uh, guys, I mean, it we is... We gather today for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier today, I was I was like, all right, I'm going to listen to Prince for a little bit now. And without even pressing play, multiple people in the room went, dearly beloved. And I was like, I mean, I wasn't going to start with that one, but, <laughs> but I guess she, I can now. Sure, great. <laughs> uh, well, guys, listen, and Prince in the 80s, you got to keep in mind about Prince. Uh, his debut album came out in 1978 when he was 19 fucking years old. Uh, he played every instrument on it. And uh, by the time he was 30, he wound up uh, having an Oscar, having directed another film, and having one of the great best-selling albums of all time. So, you know, hashtag life goals. Uh, but in order to do this properly, we need to talk about what we're talking about. We have 12 albums that we are going to be ranking from 1978 to 1990. That oh includes the prepubescent debut for you from 1978, uh, the much more mature Prince from 1979, the kind of dirty bedroom bop of 1980s Dirty Mind, the somewhat less controversial controversy from 1981, <laughs> the dance jam your mama loves 1999 from 1982, uh, his lesser known work Purple Rain from 1984, his psychedelic stomp of Around the World in the day in 1985, uh, the what the fuck is going on in Parade in 1986, the uh, life-changing double disc of Sign of the Times from 1987, also a nominee for uh, Album of the Year at the Grammys, along with Purple Rain in 84, uh, his way too sexy but not really love sexy from 1988, uh, his soundtrack to Batman called Batman 1989, and the sequel to Purple Rain, Graffiti Bridge in 1990. Did you know that Graffiti Bridge has the same number of tracks as Sign of the Times. Found that out when I was typing it out by hand earlier. That is a fun little nugget of information. Uh, uh, so anyway, but here's the other thing, guys. Um, like in terms of qualifiers, there are some that may argue that Graffiti Bridge shouldn't be on here because it's uh, it's the one soundtrack. Because you got to keep in mind, Batman, Purple Rain, uh, and also Parade. They're all technically soundtracks, but they're really more albums that inform and support whatever the movies that they're from. Yeah. Graffiti Bridge is a little bit different, though, because this is legit has other artists on it, like The Time and George Clinton and, for some reason, Tevin Campbell. Uh, and basically, the question is, does it really count? And my gut instinct on this one is pretty definitive. This one absolutely I think counts. we also settled on it because the song contains so many... So many songs that were written prior to 1990. At least half of them were come from either 1981 controversy or they some come from the around the world period. A couple of them are Purple Rain leftovers. Yeah, it's it's there's a lot of tracks that the majority was written during the prime of what we're talking about today. And I think it's also, um, I mean, even all of the songs by other artists are written and produced by Prince. I, like for the most, he's I, print. I think yeah, there's literally like it's just one or vocals two co-writes. Yeah. that is not being performed by him on those various tracks. So I almost consider it like featured artists on a Prince album. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. Exactly. So I think it absolutely goes in. So guys, in that case, we have 
12 Prince albums, Prince in the 80s, we're doing it, I can't believe it. And this is part one of the podcast, and since we're the Chartographers, you know what that means, it's time for that fateful question. Guys, what's the worst Prince album? Now, special guest John Harvey, you said you, said you had one. We were talking about it a little before. You said you had um, one out the gate. You know what? Because I'm going to be all political about it. <laughs> because I know nobody will agree with me oh my on God. the last one. Don't Wait, do no, it. I want to hear what it you is. Want you want me just going to go with yeah, it? Yeah, just go with it. What do you... What do you... Fuck Parade. <laughs> I, uh, for the record, that's the album Parade, not, not Fuck, fuck parade, parade. Which, by I, the way, if that was a Prince album, I would believe it. Yeah, I love every, every album here... Besides Love Sexy is all very is, I I enjoy a whole lot. I yeah. just I just think Parade lacks almost everything that I I and I feel like most people go to a Prince album for. You'll find you'll find generally like the energetic dance introduction. Like you'll like put the you have 1999 opens with 1999. <laughs> Let's go crazy controversy. Do you remind? There's, yeah. It always starts with a powerful opener. And Christopher Tracy's Parade is this. There's such a lack of groove. There's groove to most of these songs. There's like it's not very danceable. I feel like it also lacks another trait that you'll find on there. You'll usually find like the extended funk number, and there's no real extended funk number that you get with that. There are all these elements on there. You get the slow ballad, which I'll admit. It's redeemed by Kiss and Sometimes It Snows in April, which are two incredibly strong songs. But the thing is that I feel like, you know, tracks like Venus de Milo, while pleasant, sounds more like a transition and does actually sound like a soundtrack that plays over some sad staring at the bridge moment. Um, so uh, let me just throw ahead a little bit of context, though, for people who don't yeah. necessarily know. Uh, Purple Rain was a massive fucking success. It's a, as Prince once described it, quote, an emotional autobiography. Uh, it's a really weird movie, but it was a huge success. Lots of millions of copies and number one singles and Grammys and Oscars. Uh, and, but the thing is that, like, in order, his follow-up to it, Around the World in a Day, was actually recorded uh, before and conceived before Purple Rain. Uh, like, he had already moved on to his next direction. So as such, he hadn't really had a chance to technically respond to the success of Triple Rain. So really, Parade makes a lot of sense when you think about, okay, this is Prince's second movie. This is his second movie, his first one he's directing. And he's really, while Purple Rain was kind of a concert film with occasional drama scenes in here, mm-hmm. uh, Parade is basically, he wrote this, this album specifically for a film. Like, and you can really feel that in cuts like uh, fucking I Wonder You, the psychedelic weirdness that, that is. Life can oh, be so yeah. nice, this little waltz of, uh, if I you know, like all these other weird fucking interludes that he fucking does. Yeah. Do you lie? And I also just feel like the music, and probably, yeah, because he was specifically writing it for a movie that is not about musicians, <laughs> um, the first, like, nine songs on this album are so Land, and that's not something that I can usually say about Prince, especially not in the 80s. Well, it, and as you know, and it's so weird because I also think that Kiss and for me, another lover, Hole in Your Head, are like two of the greatest songs he's ever written, but they're like tacked at the end of just this completely boy. like just New it's an position. album that almost feels like devoid of inspiration, which is so 
odd for this time in his career. And you know, Girls and Boys was a hit. I don't get it. I gotta be honest. I don't. It's very repetitious in a very annoying way. Yeah. I also feel like... Girls and Boys! Another thing that'll probably be coming up this podcast a ton is that nobody nobody made mixes or mixed their albums quite like Prince. Like, every album is mixed so incredibly, like, specifically, like, gives its own character. Mm-hmm. Where, like, uh... That like usually to you know a plus where like uh, to get that eighties kind of vibe. Whereas parade like the way it's mixed, it's I it sounds unpleasant to me. There's so much high, there's no low. Yeah, I feel like no, everything no, that's a good point. everything yeah. kind of exists in like you got to get all engineering exists in the same frequency space, and so like sure. it doesn't blend very well, and so like you don't pick up the groove to that when like things when a lot of stuff is going on, it's kind of staticky to yeah, me. Yeah, it's muddied. Yeah. yeah. Except, weirdly enough, and the thing is that I'm, I really, like, I really didn't know what we were going to pick for the worst album. I'm really okay with putting Parade down here. But here's the other thing I want to say about it, though. First off, Mountains is a fucking jam, okay? I love Mountains a whole lot. This weird kind of, like, psychedelic, it feels loose. It feels like, kind of, like, run, it rumbles, it shimmies in a way that others, definitely other songs on this album do not do so. Not the stiff and repetitious Girls and Boys, which I fucking hate. But uh, there's that, and also, of course, his one of his masterpieces, Kiss. And we really, as much as we want to sink the parade ship, fucking Kiss. Jesus Christ. That is one of the greatest it, songs. Kiss is ever. fucking is is great. And even though it's like per like I I do it's up there even though it's not like one of my necessarily favorites in terms of like musically, I think even just lyrically. It's one of those ones yeah. that like it's like cuz Prince, you know, he's, he typically sings about a lot of the same stuff uh-huh. over the but like I, I don't know, it's it's such a perfectly written pop song. And it's like the it's like really it's so Prince, especially if you compare it to like some of his other stuff like the tracks off the self-titled album, like it really is such a classic, th- classic personable Prince number. Yeah, but you, of course, you also know the story about how that song came to be, right? Yeah, yeah. That how was, Prince was a fucking so let's asshole. Do, let's let's go. So there's there's this. I guess one of these side projects, some fucking group signed up. Maserati. Yeah, Maserati. And by the way, for the record, Sufjan Stevens, the folk artist, he was also in a band called Maserati. Not the same Maserati, just FYI, there's <laughs> different bands. Uh, but Maserati never really made much of anything, and they're most famous for having. They did another song that was technically stolen from them, but they uh, Prince was like, I want you guys to succeed. I'm going to go ahead and give you a song. And, you know, like, Paul McCartney, he gave uh, songs to Badfinger. Like, you know, other artists do this for group signs are I'm going to give you a song. Here you go. Uh, and he gives them this song, like, I want you to work on it. Get, you know, do what you can to it. And so this band worked on it. They had this kind of nice little groove going on. Like, okay. And they, like, move it up a little bit and add elements I guess in it was take m- elements out. It was out. more country. It was kind of more yeah. folkyish, a little bit more country. Some like the Joni Mitchell end of things. And they and come Prince back. Prince loves Joni Mitchell. Make no yeah. goddamn mistake. And then he gives it to them and comes back and it's this energized funk number. And yeah. everything is like brought up, like a, the tempo's brought up, a fat bass line on yeah. there. It's And then he's like, Hey, that's a pretty good song. You know, I think I'm gonna keep this one and takes what, it back. And then added a bunch more of his own layers to it. Although the drive of it is still mainly the Maserati. Exactly. Yeah. So Prince being an asshole, it's gonna come up a lot. Uh, so guys, listen. If you're looking for the worst album from Prince in the '80s, I got no problem with putting the psychedelic mess that is Parade down in our number 12 slot. There it goes. Congratulations. Man, I was hoping, I was hoping to start some controversy here. Yeah, I was hoping, I was yeah. hoping like. Controversy. That's why uh, I was like, no, dude, just go with it. Yeah, because... literally. Because, like, I, I don't have, 
have like a huge feeling towards it. Like it's, again, I, and I feel like, and I talked about this with the guys earlier too, and, and they were just like, no, 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 save for the fucking podcast. Uh, we're like, I, I love Prince dearly. I love him, mm-hmm. and he is a man. And we're gonna get into this a lot. And the reason again why we're not doing thirty six albums is because this is a man where quality control was an issue. Uh, and he put out a lot of fucking shit. But I generally love it. Even if it sucks, it's like, oh, Prince, you're just being Prince. Like, you kind of forgive it there. Yeah. But the we- the research week going into this, critically thinking about these albums, really, really kind of puts you at odds with, like, and I, will st- I still might put on Parade just to be like, do I still feel the same way? And every time it's going to be like, yeah, I do still feel the same way. Uh, but, like, it's just an interesting little experiment. But, hey, that's number 12. Taryn, what do you put... At number 11. Oh, this is so hard. I know. <laughs> I know. And I I also have... A controversial? A very controversial choice. Controversial. Well, no, okay. Moderately controversial. I think my controversial choice is going to be what's after this. But I, I think that first, I would be remiss if I did not nominate Love Sexy for number 11. Okay. Okay. Um, I think that <laughs> I know is like a very fun opener, but I think that he's done that sound more effectively on earlier albums. Um, Alphabet Street is, sort of feels like a failed experiment to me, even though I know that he hates it when people say that about his songs, because he makes it sound unfinished, but it does kind of sound, I don't know, I think he should have worked with that one a little more. And it just, it doesn't, it's none of these songs connect with me like I remember what they sound like vaguely I actually kind of dig when two are in love interestingly really I think I though think I, I'm with you I think I'm actually pretty into when two are in love and wish I wish you heaven but that's kind of where it ends that's kind of I, 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 I like glam slam I'm throwing that out there glam. you're gonna go with slam glam slam Thank you, man. you're gonna go with glam slam <laughs> Yeah. Well, no. here's, and here's the other it thing sounds too. like a breakfast jingle. It does like for a cereal. It's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> First off, if Prince had a cereal, this I would is, fucking eat it. It would be probably cereal. be called Glam Slam, too. I think this is the album, like, <laughs> breakfast can before, wait, before the era that we're not getting into, <laughs> I think this is the album where he first, like, was just like, whatever, I'm Prince, and just let himself be really fucking hokey, a, like, a couple mm-hmm. times on this album, and it just, it's so... So uh, here, let's. I th- uh, real the other thing about it. What I feel about when listening to it though is like, it's mostly kind of ignorable, and it has these weird moments where it's like it kind of like it kind of like gets it pops up. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you kind of lose it really quickly. And I felt right. this really like that's I felt this so much listening when I have to actually sit down because I never like had to like. I didn't listen with like that much in focus, so like I'd have like it's like a roller coaster. Like Anastasia, pretty boring for the first two minutes. You get towards the end, and there's like a lot of cool vocal techniques going totally. on at the end. Yeah, and honestly, the one revelation because I never really gave this time a whole lot of consideration was a dance on kind of this little like a little bit of a harsher of a dance tune that in a tune that he has okay. like this heavy bass. Yeah. Except that you can't fucking dance to it at all. I hate songs. That have the word dance in the title, and then it <laughs> has like it has like jazz drum breaks every two measures. It has like a new drum fill, and it, everything drops out, and it's just a drum fill, and you can't dance to that. You can't. There's no. There's no consistent beat to keep with this song. 
But here's the and here's the other thing though. Uh, I feel like and this it, you, you got to keep in mind this is also his first album after Sign of the Times. Now Sign of the Times after Parade was kind of a the album was more successful than the movie, which you can't say a lot about things aside from like Coyote Ugly. Uh, and the thing is that like that Sign of the Times he got rid of the revolution. He did it all himself. This double disc album, which some some critics I'm not spoiling any of our opinions. Some critics have called the greatest album of his entire career. But the thing is that after that he kind of like it was a big critical success. It actually had a song that went to number two. Like it was this weird lo-fi but you know brilliant album at whatever. the time Robert Christgau said that it was the most unanimously chosen Paz and Ja poll to ever they've ever gotten it was just there was a no question and the next per runner up wasn't even close to Sign of the Times. I think Robert Griscow, I think he said a Dirty Mind, and I th I'm pretty sure this is the right thing. I might be getting the album wrong, but I think he uh, he described Dirty Mind as, it looks like Mick Jagger can fold up his penis and walk away. <laughs> uh, that was how he described the album. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, pretty incredible. But the thing is, so Love Sexy, it's weird because Love Sexy and Honestly Batman, in kind of a similar way, these are albums where Prince hits this middle-of-the-road kind of sound. Like, really, Sign of the Times, I would argue, and some would say with Diamonds and Pearls, but really with Sign of the Times, especially this era, was the last time he really innovated. Love Sexy feels like kind of a congealed, here's what he thinks people would like out mm -hmm. of Prince. Because it's not a risk-taking album. No, it's it a colorful really album. It's a very colorful and kind of confident album. It's not necessarily great, but it kind of has... Yeah. It, it, I, for me, it feels like none of the songs fully accomplish what they set out to do. I would agree. It with feels that. like he has great ideas, and he doesn't. And I mean, they're very accessible. Because he definitely. I mean, this was certainly the period where he was like he'd sit down in the studio, he'd write a song in twenty minutes, he'd go from instrument to instrument and bang out all of the layers, and then it would be mastered by like dinner time, and he'd be like, "There, that's the song," and so. Like, during this period, there are definitely songs on here where I'm like, you should have, don't just say that you're right instantly, like, play with the song and yeah. pull out layers, and, like, that's part of what made, oh, I mean, we'll get to it later, but that's part of what made When Doves Cry so brilliant, yeah. was because he made, like, rash decisions with the production. Now, here's my only, here's my only pushback on this being in our number, number 11 spot. Uh, the thing with Love Sexy, unlike a lot of uh, his other albums, where even if they fail in some way, there's at least a masterpiece on there, or maybe like a minor masterpiece or something like that. I feel like Love Sexy for just all its middle-of-the-roadness doesn't have that. You may be Alphabet Street, I don't know. But the thing for me is that you run into a difficult problem here because the album that I would nominate at number 11 is this thing called Around the World in a Day. That's what I would throw on there. Uh, and the reason is, is that Around the World in a Day, which came, of course, after Purple Rain, again, pre-recorded and all that stuff, uh, it is, he's trying to do kind of psychedelic in his own terms kind of thing. Like, he got fascinated with it, but still wanted to marry it to funk and rock and all these other things here. It's got some jams on here, but when I say it has some jams on here, I'm mainly referring to the title track, Around the World in a Day, which I think is very neglected, very fascinating. It has an incredible dance break. Really? One of the best dance breaks he's ever done. Uh, and it also has the unmistaked pop-fluff masterpiece that is Raspberry Beret. I fucking love Raspberry Beret. It's a song I want to fuck 
But uh, that's kind of where I mean, I that's what I think because everything else on there, the bluesish kind of temptation, uh, which kind of just meanders for a little bit and has a weird conversation with God and him kind of being electroshocked yeah, by God at the great. end. Uh, then also, like, the, the ladder is fine. Like, it's pseudo-gospel-y. I like, like the I, I really, I like the, honestly, I, I think you're totally underselling around the world in the day. I think I, I do it think it. think Because at least you can remember songs from around the world <laughs> in the day. Can you remember, you can't remember anything, like, Love Sexy is so largely forgettable when it comes to that. I think Paisley Park is an incredible song. And it's his Bowie moment. And on top of that, like, look, it's, I think it also come. I think also at the time why it gets so unfairly treated is because it is kind of like in the, in this weird way to simulate or emulate the Beatles, and like the Middle Eastern influences, yeah. is kind of like you want to like joke about like oh your Ravi Shankar phase, like it kind yeah. of falls in line of that sort yeah. of criticism no, it does. where it does. But like I think he totally lands. Like I love the fact that he is another this weird hand that has no baseline. Going back to when doves cry, it's such this cool like frolicking kind of melody when it goes through there. I Which love uh, Paisley Park. Yeah, I like uh, and I also just love like the weird kind of like. Like the flutters that come with like a condition of the heart. Condition like, of the heart never did it for me in the same way. I, tambourine, I'll give you some credit. I like it. Tambourine I is do, actually I yeah. Tambourine. And it's not perfect, but it's got a little bit of amp. It's got a little bit of kind of uh, sexiness and an energy to it. And Pop Life is one of my favorite Prince singles. I fucking love Pop Life. It's pretty. Wow. I do. I think wow. that bass line is also again a super strong Prince bass line. Pretty classic. That kind of kind of even goes back to his early '80s phase. Yeah. It's uh, and I just think that between that, I think with Love Sexy, the only two songs I think I, I enjoy are When Two Are In Love and I Wish You Heaven, and like you can ignore that. Whereas I still say that at least Around the World in Day is a lot stronger than all the filler tracks. I will say that Around the World in a Day has America, which yeah. just didn't need to exist. Nope. No, not at all. No, Did, not really, at all. It, no one, no one needed that in their lives, no. and so there's. It, I mean, but I, I do. Besides that, though, I agree with you. I would not put Around the World in a Day quite this low. Dude, also, Pop Life has one of my favorite lyrics. Like, what's that hole in your nose? <laughs> that where your money goes. Yeah, I know. I'm just like, oh, what a great cocaine reference. He's got a lot of whole head uh, references. Of course, another yeah. hole in your head, too. Again, you know, very, yeah. I mean, I, I always find he some of his... loves the head holes. I find some of his anti-drug, <laughs> some of his anti-drug messages kind of, like, really kind of amusing. Yeah. And they're kind of... Oh, my God. Well, briefly, can I briefly... And here's the thing. Let's go ahead and let's lock in Love Sexy at number 11. I'm okay with losing that vote. It's, again, these aren't like, you know, I'm not dying on these hills, I assure you. But uh, one album that we're not having on here is a thing called The Black Album. And The Black Album was initially supposed to come out in 1987, but while they were pressing this thing, this kind of like Return to the Roots... It wasn't even while they were pressing it. It was made. It was, was like, everything had been pressed, some copies got shipped out. Yeah. but he, uh, but basically this kind of thing, like Return to, Return to the Roots, kind of deep black funk kind of thing, uh, he wound up uh, having, what, what was he on, LSD? I think it was Ecstasy. Ecstasy. Which is a weird one to have a bad, to have like, a bad the, trip to. Especially a God-oriented trip. Well, he, he I suddenly mean, he's believed. always yeah. on a God trip. Exactly, so. but he, after taking this, he had a moment, he had a bad trip somehow on Ecstasy, and somehow determined that the Black Album was evil, 
and couldn't be released. And I believe he dubbed the spirit uh, Spooky Electric. <laughs> uh, that is that is a thing that happens, and he references it in later songs. The evil thing, spirit doesn't spooky uh, doesn't Spooky Electric. Electric come back for Love Sexy? Think, even though even though he abandons it. Well, I think he liked it as a concept, where it's just like that's just the thing that he dubbed this crazy evil demon thing. And of course, the demon that Prince can think of is called Spooky, spooky Electric. Electric. Like, come on, Annie Christian and you know Dolores and all I don't know all these other fucking names he has. For fucking people. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's totally fine. But hey, listen. How dare he use the word Dolores? I know. How dare? What a fucking weird name, guys. He's a weird guy. Let's just be honest. He lives in a purple house. But here's the thing, Taryn. Uh-huh. I know we just got your number eleven, but you also just let loose that your number ten would be controversy. Oh yeah, no, it's not. It's oh. definitely not controversy. Yeah. Um, but it would be controversial. Yeah, because guys, I. I think I'm nominating 1999. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> hey, yo, wait, hey, 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 always knew that. Exactly, but um, I mean, are you inhabited by Speaky Electric right now? Is that what's going on? No, because <laughs> this podcast I think, is evil. I think that he does long extended funk jams right, and they can be really interesting, and on this album, for the most part, he doesn't change them enough, and they just get sloggy. Like, DMSR is just... Oh, wait, 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 DMSR? For those who are not listening, no. I we there Karen is getting the heaviest glare he's like, ever gotten glares. in his entire um, life. The title track. John Harvey's never... turning into a modicon right now. The time I've wait, what never about the seen, title track? I've what about the title track? The title track has, you has not connected with you could have no! You could have um, talked shit about anything else, but you went for DMSR. Of all the songs, like yeah. listen, if you had a problem with Let's Pretend We're Married, maybe, okay? If you had a problem with basically the side B Aut- automatic okay. automatic something, sure. Why not? But DMSR, Taryn. Dance music, sex. I mean, it's Taryn. It sums up everything that he's about and for in an acronym. And everything that John Harvey's about. (laughs) Yeah, and then he just says that over and over again for like eleven minutes. Because it's all you need. Uh, it feels on. like it's a, a it's a seven minute. Also, minute jam. I think that Delirious is one of the most annoying songs he's ever released. I'll because give you Delirious. I'm not a bit. Which is weird that Delirious was a single. I feel like if it all the hit, it wasn't a single. It was a hit too. It was one of his top ten. I, songs. I think that becomes. I think Delirious is like is successful as like a hit single in '82 yes. because of it's how dated. new wave it is. Because yeah, of how yeah. new. Exactly. Well, no, no, no. It, his most new wave album is Dirty Mind. Like you listen to that shit. Really? It I go, like Blondie. I go. I go. I. Well, I mean, it depends. On what it, yeah. what type what section or section right. of it? I'm like, not talking about Cynthia. I'm talking about like original. Because like, that's like 1999 to me is like the new wave album of Basically. Prince. Like I, I mean I agree, yeah. and I think that's also probably part of my problem with it. Is I don't know. I just also. Also, also, up for one of the worst songs you've ever recorded, All the Critics Love You in New yeah, York. Yeah, you can have it. That's Terrible. Fine. That's fine. And I just think, I also, I'm not into songs where he just throws a conversation in there, like, over the jam. Well, like, you don't... I'm not, I don't want to listen to that. And so, like, as much as there are, and that's, that's, I think that's the real thing here is that you said this about Love Sexy, mm-hmm. and it's more true for Love Sexy, but on 1999, there are a lot of songs where I'm, like, really enjoying a section, and then it just doesn't stop, and it keeps going, 
And I'm like, okay, well now I'm really and bored we'll with this section. I think for some of those, just for some of those like these talking points, because there's a lot of really good like, in my opinion, I I I love like the the weird things that he says. They're like lady cab driver when they get to that weird section where he's banging the cab driver, and he's like, and he's just and each thrust is dedicated to somebody. <laughs> Fucking hate that. And he's like, this is one for my brother who's yeah. born handsome and tall. Like, like right, but like. Right, it's, it's, it's funny, but it does not make me want to come back to the song. However, though, the side A on this thing is fucking marvelous. Listen, I know you don't connect with 1999. Yeah. 1999 is emblematic of Prince so much. It has apocalyptic imagery, but we're going to dance all the way through. That it's. I mean, listen, it is a pure vamp. It's not even a song. It is a vamp that he turned into a song. But when you have a vamp, what makes a good vamp is how you... You know, elaborate on it. How you in, you know, imbue it with different sounds, different things. Like once they get to the money, why does everybody have a bomb? That's when it turns out to just a pure guitar. It's not the synths anymore. Like it just has all these different like rising actions and buildings to it. It's also like it's probably it, it probably ties for like the most iconic '80s synth line ever next to that Van. Ha- it's like 1999 and that Jump Van Halen, Jump by Van Halen are probably the two most iconic DX7 synthesizers. But also Little Red. Corvette. That is also as crazy a song as that is. Make I mean, no mistake. that's a fucking great Little song. There's a reason I wasn't mentioning it, but I let's uh, pretend I'm married. I love. I gotta just defend DMSR a little bit more oh, no, because, I'm like, with, I'm with because you I feel like that. in terms of the extended jam, like that's like one of the top ones. The way things come in and out, and it rides that Lindrum. They also this <laughs> like that Lindrum beat throughout there, and just the, the way like when the guitar comes in and comes in and out, when to use the synthesizer. It's just so many like layers. Whereas some of the songs we're gonna be talking about later don't do that as successfully. Right. But here's the one thing I will say, and I'm gonna give you Taryn this. Uh, two things on this album. One as as much as I say this side A is brilliant and I stand by that, listen, the side B with free, uh, with all the critics, international lover is fine, it's generic, but like the side B, he gets experimental, he gets weird, he gets crazy. It is a very clean break mm-hmm. between A and B. I think he got better at experimenting later on, and even if you take shit like Love Sexy, that's at least listenable in a way that some parts of the B side of 1999 aren't. Also, the other thing I want to point out is that unlike his other albums, and with the Synthline and Delirious, it's a great song. That Synthline is, can be annoying, and I understand that. This is weirdly, of all his albums, the most dated sounding. Like, just that, those synth lines don't age well. That Lynn drum machine pushes through hard, as in it is the only thing that you hear on I the think, album, I think too. that's part of my issue with it, too, is that... It's uh, a little bit monochromatic. Is that the drums, his drum lines are usually so interesting. Yeah. And... Like, but it's because you, you hear it on Purple but, Rain, but it's so much because he mixes that with live drumming and a whole right. bunch of other. What's different. weird is that I mean, this is a personal opinion. It's, it's, I, I'm not gonna defend like defend it hard because it's really contestable. But like, I find in a certain degree, 1999 is so dated. Like the production on yeah. so dated that it kind of almost 360s <laughs> back. To, or like our like uh, our throwback culture that we're in, and yeah. like uh, like we're like we're trying to bring back all these genres of these bands like Blood Orange that are like trying to be like trying to right, throw back to the they 80s. They like sound dated. They're trying well, to say it's, it's, so it's so it's so dated. It's kind of come back to sound a little bit more okay to me because of how much other people now are trying to sound right. Like but that. here's the thing: even Prince couldn't do that because remember in 2009 he did that Target triple disc album that he put out, or just added three more albums to his. Well, technically two because the other one was uh, the Bria Valente album Elixir. Um, 
uh, in which he, he described as, quote, uh, Sade was taking too long to put out a new album, so I decided to do it. And it's like, shut up, Prince. But uh, one of the albums <laughs> on there was called MPL Sound, which was basically, I'm going to use the Lynn drum machine and kind of go back to my old sound. But he'd gotten so good with digital production and everything else like that, he could use the Lynn drum machine. Those songs still don't sound like of the era. Like, it was like, I see what you're trying to do, it's not working. But, like, even he can't replicate that sound. So listen... Uh, 1999 is not going to be our number one album. I think we can all go with that, but it's also definitely well, not going to be also, our number ten. We also, because we still got to talk about. I fully accept that. Yeah. Batman. Oh yeah. Okay, so Batman is very. Mu- I would say, and this is gonna. This is a weird thing to say, and I'm not saying that I'm defending it necessarily, but Batman is basically a perfect continuation of Love Sexy. Yeah. Middle of the road, inoffensive prince. As much as you possibly can. I will can. say, for an album that's like kind of like the go-to punchline of that yeah. discography, is really not as bad as like. Especially once I, I finally could experience, like it's not as bad as people try I to play. Like it. Really I really do. I really I, like. No, I do do. I really love the future, and <laughs> I like. I know, and I I Shut love up. love love scandalous. <laughs> yeah. I fucking okay. love scandalous. Yeah. I no, I love. The future, and I, I was very impressed, uh, not expecting much from this album titled Batman. Uh, when the future was playing, I was like, oh, and then yeah, Electric Chair kept that momentum going. The arms of Orion. Oh my god. Is- Awful. 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 <laughs> Not awful. Yeah. But I actually really, really dig uh, Vicky Waiting. Yeah, Vicky Waiting. Vicky Waiting is, is, is like a, that's a pop hook. This sounds that really... he doesn't, he doesn't like hit that style of pop that often. Well, what's weird about Vicky Waiting, and I'm not saying like, I think that this other artist was that much of an influence, but it's like, almost sounds kind of like a weird Harry Nilsson kind of thing going on there. Like, it's like a really... It's huh. kind of like it, like the way that melody is structured and like you strip down to like those kind of guitars like yeah. it really reminds me of Nilsson in a weird way. That's you know, that's really fascinating. Uh, but however, we also that means that's... we also have to talk about Lemon Crush, which is kind of, if it's a song it exists. Uh, but also Bat Dance. Okay, when I was looking at his discography <laughs> and I realized that fucking Bat Dance was one of the only five number ones that he has had, I was like mad for like two hours. I was just like thinking about Vicky how Bale. stupid that was. Stop and, the presses. Uh, it's not. E- it's not even really a prince. I don't know. I mean, it's basically it was it, and I feel like it's not necessarily that Tim Burton's Batman was. I mean, it was an iconic film at the time, and at the moment, people were like, oh my god, this is the next generation of movie making. It inspired a lot. But the thing is that, like, the movie integrated the Prince tracks really well, because, like, oh, look, there's the Joker playing Party Man on a boom, or, like, on a giant float, or playing this other song on a boombox. Like, he's talking about, you gotta be fearful on the future. Like, it's fully integrated. It's a fully integrated thing. Even as Prince, it's just kind of like, really, you listen to the album? Here's some songs. Like, he, it, it, any of these songs, it had, I'm sure they have existed for a long while. But much like, again, much like Following Love Sexy, it's very middle-of-the-road, inoffensive, very accessible Prince. It's not daring anything. It's not pushing the barriers, aside from how bad a song could be with Bad Dance. But, like, it is just a very... It's a solid album. It's not a great album. I don't think anyone's going to call it that. Uh, but it does what it needs to do and gets out. That's... That's it. You can't really do that. Although, the fun trivia part of it is that Tim Burton initially, he wanted to have two soundtrack albums, basically. He wanted to have the dark side, and he wanted to have the light side, kind of like, you know, the Joker and Batman. So, that's why a lot of these songs are integrated by the Joker, because Prince did this part, but I guess, and there's some people that say it's rumor or whatever, but there's also this part that where they say, 
Michael Jackson was the one brought on board. They were like, hey, do you want to do all the songs for Batman? Do you want to do all the optimistic songs? Uh, and Michael Jackson somehow didn't agree to that. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. But, uh, yeah, so it just I mean, left to Princess Joe. I feel like I feel like it's pretty safe to put Batman there. I don't know. Like, it's about... Right. Like, it, while it's not a terrible album, what else... I don't like. I'm not seeing anything else where I, I that I want to put below it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think Batman. We're gonna do it. There's not a lot more to talk about on that one. Yep. Not, I, think we, I mean, not really. It's like you said. It's it's pretty straightforward. Prince for the most part. It's uh yeah. It it fits his contract contractual <laughs> obligation. Well, and the other thing is that it, it was a big deal because uh, at the time uh, under under the Cherry Moon again fucking flopped and Warner Brothers is like there's no way we're gonna give you money to do a movie again. He wanted to do a movie as soon as he puts out the soundtrack that goes multi platinum chart chart topping whatever. Uh, they're like okay maybe we can give you money for a movie again. He's like, guys, I'm going to do a sequel to Graffiti Bridge. We're definitely going to give you, you money mean to do... sequel to Purple Rain? I mean, that's what I meant to say. Call it Graffiti Bridge. That's Everybody's what I meant looking I, for I, Graffiti Bridge. Oh, yeah, are can they? I no- <laughs> I'm, can I nominate <laughs> the next one? Sure. I want to go with For You, 1978. Because, and hear me out, it's not that I think it's any of it's bad. Right. I actually, I like it. My, my thing with For You is that because it's the first print album that Prince ever made, and by the way, first the first song Prince ever recorded, Soft and Wet, who the fuck records a song as complex as Soft and Wet for their first time ever? He had a job working in the studio, and then they said during his off time he could come in the studio and work on his album, which by the way, maybe also his most crisply recorded, the yeah. fine, most highest quality recording that he's got on there. Well, yeah. and he went, the thing is that, like, Warner Brothers, they, like, they brought these executives in, because Chris Moon, this uh, local producer, he's like, this kid's got talent, he learned everything from me, he can do it, and that's why he actually has a co-writing credit on Soft and Web. And, uh, in order to get that record contract with Warner Brothers, uh, they basically brought these executives in, like, we need five hours of your time. And like, okay, so they're basically in this kind of room watching Prince, and he creates a song from scratch. He drums everything, mixed everything, and plays it back to them like damn let's give him some money the budget for this album he went over the budget by this album four times like he like and the thing is like i think he just got so in love with the sounds of it he wanted it to sound mm. perfect well, it's like, sound that like he yeah he like they did initial shot initial initial sessions initial sessions <laughs> they did initial sessions for this album and they were really like fun and loose and then he got so nervous about putting out his first album that he re-recorded everything and layered so many times that it lost any like spontaneity that it had in the first hmm. place and it became very calculated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that that really makes sense for what this album is because all of the vocals are really heavily layered. But I also, I think that this is, and it, it while it, he also very adamantly did not want Maurice White from Earth, Wind, and Fire to produce this album, mm-hmm. which I think is ironic because he really sounds like yeah. Earth, Wind, and Fire a couple Fire. times. Um, but I, on this record, what really connects with me is actually In Love. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really fun song. Yeah. And it also, interestingly, every time I hear it, especially that opening synth riff, reminds me of Frank Ocean. Um, and I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. But but this album for me, I mean, I like disco, and it's not yeah. quite disco, but it just like it's, it just you, does it you, for me. You stated actually one of the reasons why I'm nominated, and my only like my main gripe why I put it down this low on here is that I feel like it's the it lacks 
a lot of the elements that we would later find that defines a Prince album. It sounds like a lot of other artists. He sounds a lot like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. So there's more of his influences, and they're fine songs. My love but is like, forever. But I think a lot of these sound more of like just like Prince doing a disco album, or trying to sell like, sound like his influences than it sounds like just I would, Prince. I would agree with that. Although there are moments that kind of peek out a little bit, including uh, the final song of the album, I'm Yours. Oh. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that. I mean, it's, it's almost, I mean, it's not necessarily that it's a rock song. It's almost kind of proggy, a little yeah. bit. There's a hint of prog dashed over this Dude, thing. It was fucking blew my mind, though, but especially if a song is proggy and is technically proficient mm-hmm. as I'm Yours. Prince had only been playing guitar for four or five years at that point. He'd been playing piano since a huh. kid, but he'd only been a guitar player for four years and wrote that. Yeah. And then That's me- insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you gotta keep in mind, this kid, here's the, here's the thing, like... We're oh, gonna- and he was 17 when he made the album all by himself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, that, the other thing, too, I want to point out about this is the fact that Prince has, and we're gonna get into this, especially in the Happy Hour minisode, I assure you, uh, Prince has one of the weirdest senses of humor you've ever discovered in your life. He has a bizarre sense of humor. But I think part of the reason is, and I mean this truly, is that he just does nothing else but music. That is just literally all he does. I mean, he's never held down like a regular job or anything else. Like, you know, like he directs, he tried directing movies, but all the movies he did the soundtracks for, like, literally from, like, you know, what, 15 till the day he died, it was all nothing but music. That's just the entire driving force. So when that's the only thing that you do with your life, like, it kind of, it's weirdly defining in a certain way. And so that's why when you hear, hear something like this, it's just like, these moments stick out. You almost want to, like, just kind of join him for the ride of, like, you can have a personality, come on, you can do it, and he just doesn't exactly there. But we're going to talk about the self-titled album, Prince, much later, because I think he absolutely did find his voice. I will say, it's young. very... I'm glad that that one was called Prince and not For You. Yeah! I agree with that, too, yeah. Um, and also For You, too, like, he was very much, like, this kind of... It's the weirdest cover, too. It's just... Eh, it's, it's yeah. at you. And it's got, like, these faded street lights on there. But, yeah. man, like, it's got it's got a lot of great songs. And, like, between, like... Yeah. I'm a big fan of So Blue. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, just, like, uh, just as long as we're together. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's fine. It's just... And crazy, you kind of the slowed-down acoustic one. Just, like, it's, it's fine. It's more interesting than it is great, but I wouldn't call it bad. I, I'd call it actually pretty good. I just... I, I, I'm okay with putting this album soon, but again, I just, there's just one that really is worse for me, and again, I think this is going to be a little controversial. Controversial. But I would put Graffiti Bridge before I'd put For You. And, and I say that not because it doesn't have some great songs on it, because I think Elephants and Flowers is like a really great psychedelic fun psychedelic. Yeah. yeah, that's like the best of his psychedelic side. And I also think that Join Repetition is one of the mm-hmm. sexiest songs that he's ever absolutely. Song to fuck um, that, the question of you is one of my favorite yeah. solos of his. The way that he's just also recorded. Really? I think Although that one's. I think I think that one gets into a little bit of the hokiness. The back, a little bit. The back half, especially when he starts just adding in yeah. random fucking instruments but, for the last three minutes. And like, this okay. one, I'm not sure if this has agreed. I've also. Love Tick Tick Bang. I think wait, it's one of Wait, wait, really? Yeah, really? I think that's a really out there kind of song, man. Really? It's I'm, really out there, but it's not. It I'm a big sucks. fan. I'm Don't a big fan. <laughs> it's, dude, Tick Tick Bang no, is great. Yes. I'm not going to say that it sucks. I'm, I'm going to say that, like, I well, I appreciate what okay. it's trying to do, but it doesn't, it does it definitely doesn't connect with me. So here's me. the thing, okay, so. 
Graffiti Bridge, here's the reason why I wanted to have this as part of the thing there. I feel like if no one's saying it's a masterpiece. No one is going to sit there and say that. I think it is better than the reputation that it has. It is mm-hmm. way better than the reputation that the Graffiti Bridge project has. I think it falls has. apart in the back half. I think that's potentially fair. I think most of the non-time features I don't give a shit about. Sorry, Tevin Campbell. Even Mavis Staples' Melody Cool is just... It's fine. It's, see, my name is Melody Cool. I think that's like a decent, fun <laughs> funk number, no, but it I, doesn't save this record. I no, think no. I find Thieves in the Temple to be one of the more hokier things on. Well, there. here's the thing. Like, I I've had a complicated relationship because I hated that song when I first yeah. heard it. When I first watched it, I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is boring. And I feel like it was just like a gimme song, and it, and it worked. It went top ten on like the rest of the songs of this album. But really, when we were watching the movie the other night, Taron pointed it out. He's just like, this is kind of his Michael Jackson moment. Visually, in the video, yes, Prince is, like, striking all these poses, being very dramatic, very mm-hmm. post-Michael, but then you really listen to the song, it's not, like, deliberately, like, this is my Michael Jackson song, but there's there's moments there where he's kind of, like, following along a little bit. He's kind of moving that line a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, the fact that no, no people haven't heard Elephants and Flowers, I think, is a travesty, and also, uh, legitimately, they're not as good as the songs from uh, Ice Cream Castle's era, but I will say, the time songs on here are also pretty good. I'm, I really fucking dig uh, Release It. Release yeah. It's like a really... Release tr- no. that tr- The drums on Release It is Listen. fucking... Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Just, it's just banging. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, I do... I'll, I'll, you know what, man? I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. I think Graffiti Bridge is kind of maybe... I think they're pretty interchangeable for me. It's just so bloated. Yeah, there are way too many songs on. There are sixteen songs on this album, and there should be nine. Yeah, exactly. And so, even though there are some really fun songs on here, I also like. I hate hate the new power generation for the record. Yeah, new power generation. Speaking of hokey, oh god. Um, that's definitely there. He was following the footsteps of the Jacksons and the like. Change the world music. Well, but more um, importantly, though, and this is, and I truly feel like this needs to be brought up, though, and the reason why we're doing Prince in the 80s and also not Prince in the 90s is because Prince in the 90s is this weird thing where he has the hardest time wrapping his head around hip-hop. Hip-hop is such a weird thing for him to kind of rationalize and embrace. He, like, has a I, weird type of relationship I was gonna, with it. I was going to save this for maybe the mini-so, but while we were talking about the Black Album, uh-huh. which, again, like, if I were to rank my own something, I really, I really, really enjoy the Black Album. For me, it's actually somewhere in, like, the halfway point okay. amongst, amongst those records. But one, thing, on that, but, but one thing that's up there is that, <laughs> like, there's, like... This, what's the second track on there? There's one where he's like dissing hip hop on there, and it's like the hokey. Cindy I think, C. I know we've talked about a hokey line. Cindy C. That's like one of the most. That's one of the most. I can, only times I've like actually just eye rolled at a song because, and you want to say like why like it did so badly by the time it got released yeah. in '94, and it's because of this inability to wrap his head around hip hop. And yeah. I think that. Well, and so what he did with Graffiti Bridge, he uh, for the new Power Generation, his new Revolution band, he brought in Tony M, the rapper. But the thing is that yeah. the new re- the new Power Generation. I'm kind of jumping tangentially off your yeah. point. Sorry. Uh, is that the Revolution were a band? It's not just that they can play songs. That even though like Wendy and Lisa are the only people that got like co-writing credit you know guitarist you know uh, Dr. Dr. Fink he kind of had some mm-hmm. stuff here and there yeah. but really like they brought him new music they introduced him to things they tried things and you can hear that even though Parade's not great the run of Purple Rain to uh, Parade is this colorful well wasn't yeah. weren't they with him on 1999 too uh, they were in in part like well, I guess they weren't actually on the record well, but, but, yeah. but the first song that he recorded with them was Jackie Waugh 
Yeah, uh, yeah, but also, but like legit though, it's it's still Prince, as we know yeah. with this I mean, and other. And also, uh, I think Wendy. I was reading this thing where like Wendy was saying about how she was trying to like get Prince into hip hop earlier, yeah. and he was just like not having it. Not and then she said like she. Uh, Public Enemy had just released Fight the Power, and that was, like, dominated, and she was like, yeah, Prince, like, I think, like, you'd actually, like, check, like, I think you might actually really like this one, and she finally got it to listen to it, and she said that she felt like the moment that he heard Fight the Power was when he knew that something was up, and things were changing, and yeah. I think that, if you look at that, that's and around when things... forms a lot of... That's when, when yeah. you get, like, something like Love, like, where, like, Love Sexy comes in, or, like, I mean, like when, no. Is, no, when is, no, when is it... When does Fight the Power? Is that 85? I thought it was 87. Uh, we, you know, uh, commenters, leave a comment. Uh, anyway, but yeah, and yeah. so, like, he's like, yeah, he just, like, I don't think every fully, fully wrapped around until, until, like, the beginning of the 2000s. But then the other thing, though, is that, more to that point, while Graffiti Bridge has a lot of hip-hop elements mm. in it, a lot of sampling, a lot of drum breaks that sound sampling, when I'm sure Prince played them, New Power Generation are hired guns. All they are here to do is play whatever Prince has recorded. Right, like, that's and he... It. Added and fired people all the time and it didn't throughout the matter. various it didn't albums that were the New Power Generation. Exactly. So it was never. It was never a full. It thing. was never the same as the Revolution. Yeah, even, and even, never would even, be. If, even if they want you to be buried with your old ideas, that's you know it somehow just doesn't add up. But yeah, the thing is, Graffiti Bridge. It's it's really you need to listen to it. There you can talk. I like Love Machine. I gotta be honest. There, I, I'm I not just one. her vocal take on Love Machine. Oh my is God, Ingrid so Chavez. Yeah. Bad oh, she is fucking that terrible. I cannot listen to it. Remember, her. this is the role that Madonna was initially going to take uh, before Prince handed her the script, because remember, they collaborated on uh, the Like a Prayer album. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then basically she looked at the script and said, quote, this is shit, and refused to be in it. So he just <laughs> found another fucking random ingenue, well, Ingrid Chavez. Yeah, and Ingrid Chavez actually, uh, I think, has a co-writing credit on Love Sexy. Yeah. Or maybe even on Sign of the Times. She, she, you know, was a poet and she was, in was a, a spiritual leader for his yeah. life. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, and it really, if you take out kind of the back half of that album, it's really, I would say it's one of the better, I would say it's better than Love Sexy. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. without oh, a doubt. Like, honestly, yeah. no, I would say Graffiti Bridge would, would definitely be a couple spots higher for me if not for the back half, also take which take is back. just... Such a slot. Yeah, speaking of bad hip hop, that Tick Tick Bang for me feels positively atonal. Like, it is just noises and sounds and Prince kind of talking about stuff, but not really. What do you mean you don't appreciate Prince's death grips phase? Shockingly, <laughs> 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 no. Uh, I would go on there. Okay, but here. Okay, Sorry, you guys just don't get it. Yeah, it's your damn fault. Wait, 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 what do you mean that that's the show? You just have your drums on stage. You're not actually going to come to the place and perform? That's the show. Hang up the call. That's what happened. Look for our uh, Death Grips podcast on the Chartographers Happening Never. Uh, anywho, but listen, I'm okay with Graffiti Bridge being here, but we have to put for you uh, after that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, as I think long that's as where we we're put at. Around the World in a Day after that. Yes! I would actually put for you above Around the World in a Day. I would. <laughs> no, no. I think Paisley Park and Raspberry Beret are too strong for me to to uh-huh. put it below for you. Let's see where we where we at. Do you want to do the? You well, wanna, do, do you want to read it off? Well, no, no, no. I want to see. Do, are we gonna put Around the World in a Day at number seven or number mm-hmm. eight in terms Let's of that see, well, for what, you? 
Well, I mean, yeah, before you at eight, I, I'm cool with around the world in the day at seven. Okay, in that. I mean, wow, right. I'd personally probably put the self-titled before around the world in the That's day. That's not happening in this house. I'm no, telling yeah, you right now, that I'm, is not. I mean, it might be next for me, but no, it's not. No, 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 we'll talk about it. But hey, listen, okay, guys, listen, we've been talking about Prince for a bit, and we are half way through. In fact, here's what we got. Let me tell you about it. We have number 12. Parade. I'm actually weirdly surprised it's there, but not really at the well, same time. I, mean, I, I just didn't know what was going to be at the bottom spot. I forgot what it was. I mean, I'm not sure. I, like Pitchfork recently like reviewed oh, all yeah. the itchy, issues, and it got like I think it's like a nine point three or something. Parade. A, a nine point three. They're just ugh. I'm they like, just jizz over anything that critics are supposed to. And look. and then yeah, they ranked around the world and they lower, but that's kind of always been the case. It's yeah, just, for whatever reason, critics love Parade, but again, we're listening to the shit in 2016 and. And I, it doesn't connect really. Yeah. If you really want to argue the ninety, the hundred seconds of "I wonder you" as being some sort of masterpiece statement, by all means, go ahead and then leave my area because I'm gonna go tick tick bang on you. So number twelve, we have parade. Number eleven, love sexy. Number ten, the Batman soundtrack. Number nine, graffiti bridge. Number eight, for you. Number seven, around the world in a day. And number six. We're going to introduce him part two. Guys, we've done it. We actually absolutely did it. We ranked sick. We're halfway through Prince in the 80s. I can't believe it, actually. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it went so fast, but we haven't even talked about any of the albums. No. Were, like, the you know, groundbreaking ones. Yeah. Like, these next few ones are, like... They've changed lives many times over, and I'm okay. I'm so excited about it. So, guys, listen. Uh, in the meantime, before you listen to part two, let me just first say thank you so much for listening to part one, to part one of our season finale. Uh, Taryn, of course, always. Uh, John Harvey, thank you for being here. Uh, it is incredible. Leave your notes and comments on our Facebook page, Facebook the Chartographers, leave a great review on iTunes, all that other stuff. Keep on listening. You know that we'll be. Catch you on the other side. Good night.